0: What is up, guys? Welcome to Radio News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Dan Favelli of Bleacher Report. Dan, how you doing? I am
1: doing well, Solomon. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, congratulations on the new place. Uh, looking great in the background. You look very stressed, but I'm, I'm happy uh, that you finally moved in to this. Uh, it's been a stressful couple weeks for you, right? You've been, do- you've been doing this for like two weeks, moving back and forth?
1: When you can see that I'm in a sweatshirt and a backwards hat and doing camera work, you know that it's been—you know that it's been a pretty rough stretch. So I'm very fortunate to yeah. obviously be able to do this, but yeah, it's just—you know how it is. It's just—it's exhausting, and I'm ready for it to settle down.
0: Well, congratulations! It's very exciting. Thank you. Okay, so do you? I'm sure you, you can relate to this. Do you ever get those moments, like whenever you're just watching basketball? And like, you're kind of like, you don't feel the urge to tweet. You don't feel the urge to do anything other than just watch basketball. Uh, and you, sometimes it, the thought kind of creeps into your head. Like, why do I do this? Like, why don't I just watch the games, shut up and be happy? Like, do something else, right? Uh, so I was watching Christmas Day games, right? And I had that, that thought creeped into my head. Not the first time. It's happened, you know, several times over the years. But that thought creeped into my head. And then the James Harden news drop down, right, right before the Sixers uh, tipped off, and it's like, okay, now I remember why I do this. Now, now I remember. Like I, I was like, okay, I have so many thoughts racing through my head. I immediately looked, immediately looked over to my desk, uh, looked at the microphone, looked at the laptop. I'm like, I'm not gonna do this today. I'm not gonna do this today. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this later. I'm gonna I'm gonna collect my thoughts. I'm gonna form coherent sentences, and then I'm gonna come back and talk about this. Um. What was your initial reaction to that?
1: Talk about the timing of a news dump on that was very bizarre. Um, I, f- I had so many thoughts racing through my mind, like you did. Uh, I think I sent out one tweet about it, but I didn't even check in with work to see if I had it write. I was like, you know what, they'll contact me. Because it gets to a point where we're lucky to do what we do. But, like, it's it's just 24-7, 365. And, like, news can just... There used to be an unwritten rule that there'd be no rumors. Like, if there was an injury on Christmas from a game. But there'd be no, like, rumors trade talks on Christmas. And then for that to just sort of drop in advance of free agency, uh, it it wasn't annoying, but it was just like, hashtag this league, uh, the, you know, the quintessential example of it. But I did, when I first saw it, I was like, well, this is someone, he's having a good stretch, the Sixers are winning, he probably wants to put max contract pressure on them with that player option after he took the discount. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, Jake Fisher from, uh, I think he was Appelich Report at the time, or maybe he reported when he moved to Yahoo Sports, whenever, Mentioned that Harden still had these heavy ties to the Rockets, and that was a place that he missed in Houston when he was with Brooklyn. And I was like, you know, there might just be something here to it if he wants to be in Houston, whether the Rockets reciprocate that. And my guess would be whether or not they should, that they would, just given the the cap space they had. I was like, there actually might be something here. And there was also that throwaway line. It wasn't a throwaway line. It was at the end of Woj's piece that said, his working relationship with Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers isn't great. And that also made me remember James Harden had like the run of the place in Houston. Like they catered to his every whim. And basically for the most part, rightfully so he was so important to that franchise, uh, him sort of forcing CP 3s ouster and the circumstances under which happened there tough. And then you start to think about, well, he's really good friends with Eric Gordon and they've just been insistent on not trading Eric Gordon. And just the more I started to think about the more I talked myself into this being, not just some topical rumor that was able to capitalize on this Christmas Day showcase and, you know, a news cycle where the attention would be focused on it. But I was like, this might be something that we need to watch for as we head into the summer.
0: Right. So uh, lo- like you, like I was definitely surprised, but it also, you know, I the first thing I thought of was obviously I, I, re- I was reminded why I do this. Second thing I thought of was like. Like, I'm reminded that I live in a a bubble of sorts, right, in in terms of the Houston media market, in terms of covering this specific team, because Rockets fans have sort of been talking about this as as a possibility in hushed tones for, like, a couple years now, right? Um, I wrote wrote an article back in September uh, about this, and this was not, like, I was not the first person to raise this publicly, right? Like, this has, like, been talked about by other people on different uh, other platforms, right? Right. and I remember I remember talking about, you know, all the links to Houston and James Harden, all the links that he still has to the city. And I I, I read everyone's reaction to this news and I'm like, oh, people just don't get it. Right. People just don't get uh, his relationship to the city. So a lot of things bothered me about the coverage of James Harden when he was in Houston, right? I've aired a lot of that on the show several times, so I'm not going to get into that. But one thing that did bother me, and I'm guilty of it because I didn't also, I also didn't talk about it much, is when Harden was here, we always praised certain players for their loyalty slash attachment to a specific city, right? Whether that's Westbrook to Oklahoma City, Steph Curry to the Bay Area, or like Dame to like Portland, right? Uh, Bradley Buell to DC, whatever. You can keep going and going with this, Right. You get the point. All these players were kind of praised for that bond that they had built with the city, right? And James Harden had a similar connection to the city of Houston, and nobody outside of Houston ever really talked about it, right? It pretty much only came up when he was signing an extension with the team, which he did three times, and we still weren't talking about it enough, right? Like, Harden... Loved this city like he threw down roots here. He, to this day, he still has loved ones that live live here. His charity organization is based here. Um, he hosts a celebrity sport tournament here every year uh, that gives money to underprivileged kids in the inner city. He hands out backpacks and school supplies to kids before the school the school year starts up. He still does that every year, even after he left. And all everyone, all anyone ever seemed to talk about when he was here was like, "Oh, James Harden really likes that nightlife." Uh, or had he had his jersey retired in this strip club. Like, no, man. Like, that's not all he loved. Like, he loved this city. He embraced the people. He embraced the culture, the food, everything about it. Yes, the nightlight too, right? He donated a ton of money during Hurricane Harvey. Uh, I covered events where the guy would literally build a basketball court outside for kids in a really rough area of town, right? And I don't mean to go off on this tangent, but... I, I say all that to say, like I don't think people should be that surprised by this because his bond to the city is really that deep. He was kind of an adopted child in that sense of the city because he, he first of all he wasn't born here, wasn't raised here, didn't get drafted here. He got traded here, right his third year into the city. so I, I kind of understand in that sense why it wasn't talked about, right if If he was just drafted here and he played his entire career here, i would I, I think it would get more coverage, but he was it's kind of awkward. He, he came here during his rookie contract. Played eight seasons here. By that point, it felt like he'd been here the whole time, but he, he hadn't been, right? So, I, I don't know. Like, he, he, he developed this strong connection to the city. And I think it's going to, that fallout that, you know, it had, right? Like, you would think that would turn a lot of people off to James Harden in the city. Uh, because that was probably one of the ugliest player team fallouts in NBA history, right? In regards to the press conference, not showing up to training camp. Going to Atlanta while his team was in the bubble, like it, like if you're if you're surprised that these people still rock with him after all that, I don't think you should be, uh, because the prospect of him wanting to end his career has always been a reality. Um, here's here's what he said when he left on Instagram. So he posts his Instagram video, right? Like all his major highlights from the city. Clearly did not come up, make that video himself, but the caption. Was his own words, and I could tell because I'd interviewed the guy a thousand times. This is what he said: "I gave my mind, body, and soul in hopes of bringing glory to the city. I fell short of that, and I and for that I am forever indebted. It is far from goodbye as I pay all my debts." TMC H Town. So, TMC that that stands for the marathon continues, right? It's a it's a, it's from a rap song, and he he clearly hints there that he might he may come back to the city one day and i'm assuming by the sentence he wants to come back in his prime because how how else are you going to pay your debts back to the city uh i'm assuming he's eluding to bring a championship back now i'm not sure if he meant it that way it it just reads that way coming off of it but it always felt that he would leaving he was leaving the window open When he left, he was leaving the window open. I don't think this was like his master plan to let Houston like load up on all these young players and picks and assets and have all this cap space. But I think he did eventually want to come back here before he was was starting to really decline. And I think um, this summer was a natural point for that to start happening. But I was surprised too by the timing. December. Like we're six months away from free agency. His team is playing really well. He just came back from injury. Uh, this was an odd time for this news to drop.
1: Yeah, it was for sure odd. I don't know if it was just opportunistic, just to sort of remind the Sixers that he has options. One and two, like you better take care of him in the next. He took the the pay cut so that you could get PJ Tucker, that you could get Daniel House, that it could help with the machinations of the D'Anthony Melton trade so that you could work within the hard cap. So I could kind of see it being that. Um, That, or I could just see it being like, this, like you said, this has been floating around out there for a while. I honestly was ignorant to it. Like, I know the Instagram post. I know his ties to Houston, and I thought, maybe if he's going to retire, or was he referencing, like, he's going to try and buy the franchise from Tillman Fertitta one day so that they have an an owner who might want to spend? But... I, I never thought, like, I just wasn't, someone brought it up in the Hardwood Knox Discord, like, a day before it came up from Woj, and I just hadn't given it much thought. I thought it would, like, I just didn't, I, if it was going to happen, I didn't expect it to be imminently, and so that's why the timing felt odd, um, but it's also, once you think about it, it feels like it was it was by design to put pressure on the Sixers, but also just, like, If it gets to this level where it's being reported this early, and I know Harden said things are going well in Philly, I don't know where that came from, yada, 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 it's real. Like, this doesn't come out this far in advance, and like just think about the rumblings we heard about Harden leaving Houston before they started to get really loud, and people were just like, oh, and then think about it in Brooklyn, too, where people seemed to— I feel like not reject it longer, but it was just like, oh, no, that, that can't possibly happen. You, and it happened. You know, what oh. was
0: also I don't mean to cut you off. You know, what reminded me of oh, this stuff, like in terms of the news break and not it's not exactly the same. But in terms of like the shock it gave to us uh, and it was kind of rumbled in in that town beforehand when Woj dropped the news that Kevin Durant would explore coming to Golden State. Uh, and that happened midway through the season, kind of like this. And it had been talked about in Golden State, in the Bay Area, kind of like this, but that was the first report to really bring it to the mainstream. And the Oklahoma City was playing well; they were in position to seriously contend for a title that year. Um, and this, this is kind of what that reminds me of: It's like, why would you leave? Like, why would this come out now? Like, why would? The, to me, this, this, this was not intentional in terms of the dropping of the news. The, this feels kind of. Uh, clumsy in that respect. I don't think I don't think he intended for that to come out. Now, some of the maybe he intended for it to come out one day to leverage the Sixers, as you said, to get that full max. But now, like that, this feels like an unusually weird time for that to happen. You, maybe this comes out in May. Maybe this comes out closer to free agency where he's actually going to sign that contract. But why December? I don't know. That this to me feels like. I mean, he doesn't have an agent. I don't think he. I believe he still doesn't have a, like a formal agent. So he's not exactly... Which is how
1: this stuff gets out, by the way, <laughs> right. because you can't control the flow of information as well right. when you don't have any.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Hashtag
1: Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Please carry on.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like he, he, that, uh, perhaps that's why the news got out. Like He's not exactly you know, really taking command of the narrative here. And I think this is probably one of those situations where he probably wanna ke- he wanted to keep this under wraps. I think the interest is real now, if he, if he's using the interest to leverage the Sixers at the same time, who knows? I think that's a, I think that's a possibility. I'm not I'm not uh, naive to that, but I, I think it would be naive to suggest that the interest is not real in the, in the same in that same breath.
1: There could also be other parties here that are using it for cover. If it's the Sixers, maybe looking for an excuse if they want to put Doc Rivers on the hot seat soon, even after this winning streak, it could be look if Harden wants out or there's an inkling that he wants out, Joel Embiid's trade request is probably coming next. And so does that factor into this at all? But I would agree. I think the most important point here is that if Harden maybe had more of a formal agent or if there are people who are more vested in protecting his, you know, I don't want to say closest whims, but his strongest inklings about his future, this probably doesn't get out right now. Even if it was designed to put pressure on the Sixers, it doesn't get out. I don't understand why it would get out if it was from Harden's side of things. This feels very much like, like it it's something else inadvertent um and a completely different i don't even think like there's no to me there's no real value from houston's perspective to allow this out either just to be like oh we're on the map of a top free agent i guess that's cool but then it's sort of like it's going to force questions that i'm sure you're about to ask and answer what are you doing if you're signing 30 something james harden to go with this group and we can say you know, just looking at from houston's perspective if they were trying to gain like some sort of clout here. We can say that James Harden will come, he'll pair with the young guys, it'll be great sort of an open-ended timeline. We've seen this movie before. And I know James Harden isn't LeBron James, but like he went to the Lakers and everyone thought the same thing. When he went back to the Cavs the first time, everyone kind of thought the same thing. The Cavs blew it up within like a month of officially getting LeBron. And then the Lakers eventually went all in on the AD trade and we've seen what's happened since. I'm not saying this I'm not saying this short circuits Houston's entire future, but I do think that if you're prepared to sign James Harden, even if he says oh yeah i'm like i want to play with the young guys like that's just not how it works when you're dealing with a 30 something superstar especially one in like lebron um in james harden who is who is ball dominant and is going to be best served as the the focal point of everything that you're doing
0: so i'm i'm glad you answered it like that because i the question that i immediately saw on twitter after the news came out was like why would houston do this and i kind of think that's the wrong framing for this right I think I think if you're saying that you're you're automatically convinced that it's a bad idea, and nothing I say is going to convince you that it might be a good idea, or nothing anybody could say, right? And there's the other end, right? There's the Rockets fan that's a, that might be a little bit too emotional to this, right? It might be too attached. to It's like, why wouldn't Houston do this? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that too, right? And you just outlined some of those, right? He's turning 34 this summer. Uh, he's gonna he's on the tail end of his prime. I think he's still in his prime, but yeah, yeah I
1: mean, look, he looks more just a in defense of James Harden. He's relied on the mid-range more for most of this season because he can't get to the basket, but he's getting to the basket more now. And he's still, a James Harden isolation possession is still like one of the most efficient offensive plays in the league right now. And so for all this talk about his drop-off, like that is still just a a statistical unassailable fact.
0: You know what else is a statistical and unassailable fact? He's averaging 22-11-7 on 60. And he's not the number one option too, which is something he's not like, right. So he's, yeah, go ahead
1: he's I was just gonna say he's clearly comfortable being like his, the ball's still in his hands a bunch mm. but like he can be this facilitator that's not even scoring as much as he was when we're talking about like 30 plus points a game so that's important not just to whether he can fit in Houston but just his fit within any context of any roster and especially in Philly and so there's proof of concept that hey James Harden is comfortable being basically pass first or someone the vessel through which Joel Embiid is going to get the basketball in a lot of possessions and although then, of course, the report about him not having a great working relationship with Joel Embiid might might counter-argue that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I see some of that. I'm not going to lie. Like I watch the Sixers, and I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't know why they aren't running more pick-and-roll. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dwight, Dwight Howard when he was in Houston. Like They didn't run that much pick-and-roll. It feels too your turn, my turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I think Joel is a much better isolation scorer to actually demand those kind of your-turn, my-turn possessions, right? But uh, at the same time, you you'd like to see more synergy. Uh, you'd like to see um, more harmony when the two are on the floor together. The the two are still amazing when they when they do share the floor together. But uh, it is one of those things where it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been like a seamless fit. It's been a fit. It's just been something that um that's managed to work out because they're so good and they they have so few weaknesses in their offensive game. Um, now in terms of why Houston should do this, right? So I actually don't know what what Houston should do here, right? And if you were to ask me gun to my head, I'd say wait. I'd say wait until the lottery, until you know the results of the lottery, I would wait until that until that moment. But let me make the case for. Him. So first is what we just outlined. He's still an incredibly talented basketball player and his particular skill set lends one to believe that he may age more gracefully than you might think, right? Good shooter. Uh Incredibly skilled, intelligent passer can contribute to winning later in his career, right? Like you look at Chris Paul, right? When he when he lost his burst, still managed to be a high level contributor to the good playoff teams. Second, OKC owns Houston's first round pick next season, and there's an, an extreme incentive to be good next year, right? Like this, you're done tanking. Like no matter what happens, even if you don't get James Harden, you, this is your last year tanking because you have no incentive to tank. Third,
1: yeah, I mean, Go they're gonna even if they don't sign James Harden, they're signing people. Yeah, like they're signing veterans, and you know, they're absolutely doing that. Yeah,
0: yeah. The that, this is gonna be my third point. The Rockets will have four, over forty million dollars in cap space to spend on somebody, and Harden appears to be, if not the best, probably the, either the second or the first best player on in the phrasing class in twenty twenty three. Like I'm looking at the class, like who's better than him? Like Kyrie. Like, Bradley Beal or, I mean, Jalen Brown. Like, th- this is this is a decent free agent class. It's not it's not one that really stands out to you. Like, I, I'm sorry, Bradley Beal's not a free agent. I meant to say Jalen Brown. But it's not one that really stands out to you as one like, oh, like, Harden is, like, seventh on the pecking order here. Like, no, I think he's still probably one of the best because...
1: He's no lower than two. I guess if you, I don't know why you would trust Kyrie over James Harden at this point, but Kyrie's younger and I'm I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt,
0: right? Yeah, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here, right? So he's no lower than two in this free agent class. So I don't know how you could better allocate the money than him, right? Mm -hmm. And here's I think the strongest possible reason. This is the one that I actually believe. Harden's the exact kind of facilitator slash connector that Houston is lacking on the offensive end of the floor. Right. They don't have that guy on this roster. Right? They have guys that might be that guy. Like, I think I, out of everyone on the in the in Houston's core, I kinda think Shangun is most optimal to at least try to be that guy, but I, I don't even think he's that guy. He hasn't proven that he's that guy. Kevin Porter Jr., I don't think he's that guy. He's had a really strong stretch here. Uh I I don't think he's someone that I am passing up on James Harden to uh, you know, really lock down lock in on. Like I like him. I would trade him in a heartbeat. If it meant getting James Harden, I just think that's that's the difference in talent in terms of even at their peaks. Whatever Kevin Porter Jr.'s peak is going to be, James Harden's going to be better at age 36 than that peak, right? Like I just think that's yeah, that's sure. that's probably the case. And I'm looking at um I look at the rest the rest of the roster. I, I like Jalen Green. I don't think he's the, he's the kind of guy you want to be that heliocentric guy that runs the entire offense, right? I I actually kind of think it would benefit him to play off the ball, and I've, I've been frustrated watching the Rockets this year and that he never plays off the ball, right? He play he has such a high usage, and I I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't have a high usage, but like he should be definitely be running more off the ball, like because he has that skill set, he has that willingness to do it, but the Rockets aren't using him to do that, and I think if if James Harden's there. He kind of has to do that. And I think it's a good thing. That actually develops that part of his game a little bit more. Like you know, forcing him into that off ball role, I think, would be good for his game. And he can take over he can just focus on scoring. Right? He doesn't have to worry on worry about becoming the best playmaker on a championship team. Um I, I think that's a very it's a hard ask for him. I even though I think he can be a pretty decent secondary creator, I don't think he's ever gonna be that primary guy. Harden is. Right? We know Harden is that guy, and Harden can just worry about facilitating. I think the best James Harden has always been when he all, all he has to do is one of two things: either he's the the best scorer on the team and one of the best passers on the team, or he's one of the best pa- he's the best passer on the team and one of the best scorers on the team. When he's asked to do both, like be the best passer and the best facilitator on the team, that's too much for him. I think that's unreasonable to put on his plate. Like this role in in Philly, I mean, that's kind of why I'm kind of questioning why he would want to leave the situation. I think the situation is pretty sweet for him, honestly. Even with with all the questions we had about um, his fit with Joel Embiid, I still think this situation is kind of nice. Uh, I wouldn't want to leave it if I were him. But we're talking about Houston here. So if you if you if you were to insert him in Houston, he has all he has to be is that kind of table setter, right? And he's obviously going to score a high, uh, you know, a lot of points, twenty points per game. But he doesn't have to be 28, 29, 30 points per game James Harden anymore. Jalen Green can grow into that kind of player, right? Uh, And I think that's kind of what I envision for like the ideal version of a James Harden lands and Houston scenario. And you're right. They do have to leverage some of their future when he lands here. That's just the reality of it. Your timeline gets forwarded when you get a player in his 30s, right? Um, And I think Houston has to find a way to you know, a delicate balancing act of doing that while still keeping some future, right? You can't sacrifice all that future because Jalen Green is still 20, 20 years old. He's going to be 21 this summer. That's not someone you want to surround with 30-year-olds, like get a snap, right? Maybe surround with guys in their mid-20s, surround with guys who are in, you know, maybe in a, high, a slightly higher age bracket, but still in, in that range, but not guys like Eric Gordon, right? You can't do that anymore. You can't build that type of team around around James Harden anymore. And if James Harden wants those guys around him, he should just stay in Philly.
1: I would almost guess that Eric Gordon's in Houston if Harden is in Houston next season. That would be my prediction. Um, so, But again, you don't have to keep him at, this is a matter of guaranteeing his salary next year. But when it comes to leveraging, you could just re-sign him to a different deal. Whether he wants to stay there, I, I don't know. But maybe he wants to play with James Harden again. P.J. Tucker went all the way back to Philly to do it. So Daniel House went, went to Philly to do it. And P.J. Tucker had a comfy situation in Miami, too, by the way. So it's interesting, the point about leveraging their future. They might be in a easier position because they have all those future picks from the James Harden trade itself. and because they have cap space. Like you can sign James Harden outright and still have plenty of maneuverability to make a lopsided trade where maybe you're not giving up too much tangible equity, but you're almost like you're not having James Harden, Jalen green, Alperin Shangoon, and Kevin Porter and junior all on this team next season. That's just the fact of the matter. KPJ might be the easy person to move. And then you look at the, the salary that number that he'll be working with this summer. That's also helps for, you know, if you're going to make a deal as, as filler inclusion, or as you know, as if a team's intrigued by him and wants him under control. But like after that, it's, if you're trying to get a top-end veteran in here, you there are going to be teams that I don't know who it is. That's the other you're thing. You're going to have to go trade that?
0: for, like, Pascal Siakam. Like, re, in reality, those are the kinds of guys you're going to have to target.
1: Right. And that's when you get into that discussion. We're not talking about just Shangun being involved. We're talking about those teams asking for Tari Eason. We're talking about those teams asking for Jabari Smith Jr. We're talking about those teams asking for Jalen Green. And so those are those are my 3 Shangoon's up there, so it's, like, the top four. But I view, like, Green... Tari Eason and uh, jabari smith jr is like the guys for houston moving forward i just i wonder about shangun's defensive limitations and how much you actually want to run the offense through him but if you want to call them their core four or whatever you might have to move two of those guys to get the player that makes sense to i would be shocked if you had to move jabari and jalen green so but you might have to move one of them plus one of the other guys in addition to picks to get a siakam to get a Let's just say, I'm just throwing a name out here. Like if, if Jalen Brown hits the the trade block in Boston, which I wouldn't expect him to, um, even if you're looking at like to get OG Ananobi in Houston, it's probably going to cost you. You're not getting him for Tariis and Alperin Shangun. It's like that right now. If if the Raptors do decide to trade him. And so those are tough decisions to really make because yes, you're getting James Harden and you're making this immediate acquisition, but you are, you're not short circuiting your timeline, but you are abridging it and you are putting more pressure, more urgency on yourself. And maybe you don't care as much because James Harden gives you a line to just immediate relevance in a Western Conference when, as we already mentioned, you owe your pick, top four protected, to to OKC, and just not in 2024. We're talking about 2026, too, and so you're trying to plan around that few-year window, um, but it's also not an easy decision to make to decide, okay, well, you know, I'm, I guess you could decide, to, hey, we're just going to keep the roster intact and let James Harden to, like try and help streamline the development of the young guys. I don't think you'll be good enough to make losing that pick hurt in that situation, hurt any less in that situation, especially because what does the defense look like when a team that has Jalen green and James Harden and Alper and Shang-Goon and even KPJ playing a bunch of minutes at the same time. And so that would be a question. Uh, I would be fascinated to see how they would handle his arrival. What is the, what is the spillover move or moves for James Harden going to Houston? And it's tough to understand what the repercussions are. I will say if it doesn't happen immediately, down the line, you will be making a consolidation trade. That is how these things work. Every time we've seen, no, is star's fine with like just sort of playing this out and around the youngsters and dual timelines, it never works that way. The closest we've seen it come is Steph Curry and Golden State, and that was just unique because they just came off a title. And it, um, they it, just- it didn't work.
0: Like right now, it's not working. They're a 10th seed, right?
1: It's not working really right now, but he's so low maintenance to where like they're not going to trade Kamingo Wiseman or Moody. This. Like, it's just pretty clear. Maybe in the summer, though. Like, do you look at moving Jordan Poole at that point to maximize Curry's timeline? So they're not even immune to it totally. And they, it worked for them. They had their two-year gap year. And you could argue that nothing worth, like, you you end up with Andrew Wiggins. So that becomes a huge part of your title run. But, like, you were in such a unique position because you were coming off a dynastic run. You still had Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and then were able to get Andrew Wiggins. So, like, you didn't have to give up on the dual timelines yet. You might be tracking towards that. We don't know yet for sure. But these things just don't work out that way normally. We've seen it twice with LeBron. We've seen it with other veterans when, when they change teams. And like we've seen it even with teams that are younger but believe that they're just so close that they have to go all in. Look at, look at what Cleveland did with Donovan Mitchell. Look what Minnesota did with uh, Rudy Gobert. And the Rockets' core has not been together that long. But when you start owing your own picks, which neither Minnesota nor Cleveland did at the time, I know you have other picks coming in. But that is going to change the way that you view the transactional process and your own timeline inherently now cake in 34-year-old James Harden into that mix and is going to change it even more.
0: Right. So, you know, I just went over the cases for Let me go over the, ca- the cases against Rooka because I think it's equally as strong. So Harden's going to be 34 years old next summer. I mean, this summer. And there's a reason to be optimistic about his game aging, but that's not a guarantee, right? There's also injuries that could complicate his aging process. Oh, man, yeah, Harden's presence could take away from the development of Alperin Shangun. Uh, I think that's that's a, his, Alper Chengu's development's already in questioning with a bad coach, right? Imagine having even more usage taken away from you, right? And he's, it's, it's likely going to, as we talked about, it's likely going to force the organization to start selling prize assets at a discount so they can pivot to a win now mode. Defensively, Hart is the exact opposite of the kind of guy you want to have next to Jalen Green, right? Offensively, they work great next to each other. Defensively, they do not work great next to each other, right? You're gonna to have to load up on defense in that front court, kind of like how um, you look at the, what the Cavs are doing, right? They're having to load up on defense in that front court because that backcourt is so unreliable defensively, right? Or, or, hell, the Sixers right now, right? The Sixers kind of have to move Tobias Harris at some point for a real defender and load up on defense in that front court. Because Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, it's a liability. You just can't have both of them back there and play uh, real playoff minutes. Um, If Harden, if if Houston ends up in the lottery, drafting a high-level playmaker like Scoot Henderson or Amen Thompson, the need for Harden on the Rockets is diminished. And that's probably the biggest reason, if I'm Houston, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the lottery, and I'm waiting for free agency. Now, I just explained to you why I wait for the lottery. I'll also explain to you why I'm waiting for free agency. I'm waiting for free agency because I want to see what I can, you know, who's actually interested in coming to Houston, right? Not only in, mm-hmm. a, in a scenario where Harden comes, but in a scenario where Harden doesn't come. If I'm not spending it on Harden, who am I spending it on? Who am I trading it for? You know, who am I, who, who's, who's absorbing that space, that $40 million? Who's coming into that space? You know, you got you to weigh both of them. You got to weigh Harden against that. And if Harden does come, is he, is he coming with somebody else, right? Because then that situation is a little bit more attractive. Then you're talking about a Clippers situation where the Clippers are trading all these assets to go get Kawhi and Paul George, right? Uh, one guy comes in for agency, one guy you trade for, right? If that's the situation, I'm more tempted to do this, right? Like I think all those factors have to come into play and that's why I would wait until May before I, I, I start the full out campaign to go get this guy to return to Houston, I, that's just me that's the way i would approach it from houston right now i'm just idly watching
1: i don't think there's anything else you can do because yeah there might be like tampering with james horn but it's clear that he already has ties and interest in returning to houston that's waiting is literally all you're not going to change anything about it now i think you just monitor and like you said you see what i might disagree with you on like you know, the structure of Philly's team, like they have a really good defense right now. And I think having Melton having Joel Embiid that helps a ton. And then PJ Tucker has been fine defensively, even though he's just so low volume on offense, they might provide the model for what Houston can do around Harden where you play and Maxi. They have those two small guards, but they also have Melton who's just going to be like the blanket of opposing defenses, force turnovers. They have Embiid; his rim protection numbers are down, but I still feel like he's the super dominant force. So, I think you just monitor. Well, what is the secondary star market? What is the, it's different because James Harden is older than Kawhi and Paul George were when they went from OKC in Toronto to LA. But who is the star that, and look, I'll say this, we haven't necessarily had complaints about players playing alongside James Harden, but like when it comes to him and Trey and Luka Doncic, their style is so ball dominant that maybe it grades on everyone else. Now, I would counter that by saying we've seen it grade on people with Harden in Houston. But Harden's just not at that point in his career anymore. He's still ball dominant. But look what's happening in Philly with Embiid, who doesn't seem inherently unhappy. He's in the MVP discussion. um, And granted, they both missed time, so there's noise there. But you're also looking like, okay, Kevin Durant wanted to play with James Harden once. Brooklyn, I know they're on a tear right now, but they have to be like one of the least stable franchises in the league. I don't know why you would ever trust them. I, I only have distrust for them, even though they look like a contender at the moment. Is that a name that gets bandied about the trade mill this summer? If Kyrie leaves, they decide not to re-sign him and he goes to a different team. That's, you know, if you have the opportunity to basically trade for James Harden and Kevin Durant, because it's the same thing. The best way I heard the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George thing phrased was Sam Presti found a way to trade Paul George and Kawhi without ever having Kawhi. And the Clippers basically traded for both of those players, even though Kawhi was a signing, it'd be a similar situation in in Houston. The Nets would have some leverage because it's like, well, you're getting James Harden as well. And we're good to make that happen. We're going to give you Kevin Durant. Like, that's a name. Things look good in Brooklyn right now, but we've seen them change on a wimps. So like, it could be that higher end where it's, oh, it's another top five player who wants to play with James Harden. We know he wanted to play with James Harden again. We also know that Kevin Durant's not the reason James Harden left Brooklyn. It's the other guy. And so that would be fascinating. But that's what, if I'm the Rockets and there's any due diligence involved at this point, I would argue that there just isn't anything for them to do. But if there is, it's kind of like, all right, let's see like what because the star market right now is so barren as we're going into the trade deadline. Like there's we can talk about Zach Levine trades or Bradley Beale trades, but like they just the rumors and the you know the intel don't exist to support that they're coming. And I would I would by the way want neither of those players in Houston with James Harden, just to make that clear. So like you just need to have your ear to the ground or understand what the the star trade market is going to look like if you do end up with James Harden this summer.
0: Yeah, if, if anyone gets to this point in the podcast, if you could, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you could, please just comment down below the go-between that would t- theoretically tamper for, on Houston's department. Like, would that be Eric Gordon? Like, like I'm trying to figure out, like, who is the go-between to go tamper with Harden no. to go get that second guy? You know, like, go talk it's to him. Do
1: It's the do-everything guy, and I imagine he's like this off the court as well as on the court. It, it's Tar-Eason. It's Tar Eason. That's the guy who would probably be the best tamper on houston just because he's so comprehensively rock solid all around so that's my prediction that i would need to merrick gordon if you need the relationship but i'm talking about like beyond harden like let's see what's going on around Lee. like Tar- Easton just feels like he would get the job done so yeah. it's got to be him
0: yeah i mean hey stranger things have happened i mean chandler parsons apparently was the driving force for dwight howard coming to houston uh,
1: so we'll see. We'll see. Look, the Nuggets tampered to sign DeAndre Jordan this summer, so uh, anything is possible.
0: Hey, if, it, if it's if you're losing a second round pick to get James Harden and like Kevin Durant, like it's clearly worth it. It's clearly, believe, worth it.
1: can we please not get into tampering? This is just like the selective enforcement, plus when they actually enforce it, it's just BS. It's inviting oh, tampering yeah. at this point, it just invites it.
0: Second round pick, it's the easiest trade in the world. I, I, I okay, I'll tamper. I'll give <laughs> regret.
1: Judding down Brunson and giving up. Is, no, of course not.
0: Why would they? Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, I, I will end, we'll end you really quick, because you got a hard out after for 45 minutes, but, uh, we, you did co-write an article with me this week on the rockets and the trade deadline. And December 15th has passed. So a bunch of players are now eligible to trade to be traded. I came up with five fake trades and really I could have come up with like 15, but I limited it to like five. And you can kind of come up with different variations of these trades with other teams, other players, they're like five kind of, five kind of templates for trades, right? Um, looking at the trades that I came up with, right? You reacted to all of them in the article. You guys can go read them at rednationnews Which one stuck out to you the most? Is the most intriguing? Like which one was like, oh, this is kind of interesting.
1: The most. So from the Rockets' perspective, I think it was probably. Was it the Duncan Robinson trade? I mean, no, no. The most interesting one was objectively the Lonzo Ball trade. Just to take that. You talk about someone who might work really well next to James Harden next year. I would just be curious about the actual cost of getting Lonzo Ball out of Chicago. They would be trading him probably at the nadir of his value. And if you're Houston, you're equipped to take on that risk. But like, you need to know his knees aren't just absolutely cooked, that this is someone who might play for you next year but to have him as a connective passer a defender especially a a shooter high volume and off the ball if you're looking at bringing back james harden uh that makes it even more interesting now you know fast forward we didn't have the james harden news before us when you were making these trades and i was responding to them now that the james harden stuff is in the ether even more so the lonzo ball trade would be even more fascinating i would just be curious of course they get his medicals let's not let's just assume his medicals are he'll play again hopefully we'll be fine. What is the cost to get him out of Chicago right now? Are they just looking to get off his money? Because if you're Houston, you pounce on that. But are they looking for like a pick or a young player or two? Like that's when you really start to get into some tough discussions.
0: So I've been trying to fantasy trade Lonzo Ball to the Rockets for like six months now. Uh, Just because I look at what Jalen Green needs in a teammate, right? In a running mate at the point guard position. You need a really strong facilitator. You need a really strong defender. And you need a really strong shooter. And that's a really hard archetype to fill, right? Usually guys can do two or th- two or three of those things. I mean, two of those three things, but not all three of those things. Lonzo can do all three of those things. And right now, his as you said, his his market, his market value is at a nadir. It's at a rock bottom. And if I'm Houston, like, I, I threw a lowball offer in here. So the offer I gave was Eric Corded, Bruno Fernando, Kenyon Martin Jr., and Brooklyn's first-round pick. So not even one of your own, Brooklyn's. I'm not sure if Chicago accepts that, but that at this moment in time, just the reporting that comes that's coming out about Lonzo, it's so scary that that might be on the higher end of what I'd be willing to offer, just because of how risky it may end up becoming. And he's a flight risk in 2025, so he may leave as quickly as he comes. So I would just be very careful about stuffing that 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 trade with as many assets as you possibly can. This is a trade uh, that I'd be more willing. I think is more possible in the offseason, just because I, I don't think Chicago is done looking at the score. I think they want to give this one more go, uh, one more playoff run. And I think uh, the Rockets uh, would be, I, I mean, I, there's no easier way to say it. It's, it would it'd be easier for them to tamper and see if they can, through back channels, get Lonzo to agree to an extension as soon as he lands in Houston uh, so they can kind of extend it and offer more assets in the trade, right? Like offer another another first round pick, offer maybe another young asset, right? Maybe you're maybe you're more willing to throw in a guy like Usman Garuba, right? Um, or like whoever, right? Name the name the guy on the Rockets that uh, is first round pickish in value, right? That's the kind of that's the kind of thing I would consider doing in the off season if I'm Houston and Rockets fans. Listen to this. Listen, you're gonna have to make consolidation trades. Like that that was kind of the genesis of this article, right? Like I wrote about cons- consolidation trades two weeks ago. And this this article is kind of like me hammering at home, like you need to make a major trade to make to kind of get rid of these assets. There's a lot of young players here that just aren't all going to be part of Houston's long term future. Even if Harden's not going to come here, if even if they're going to continue on this path, they're not all going to get long term contracts. They're just not. So if you're Houston, you got to take this opportunity, package a lot of these guys, and get some value, get some aggregate aggregate value. And Lonzo is the perfect kinds of consolidation prize that I would you know, do everything in my heart to go, to go after. I, that That's just the guy. That's the guy to me that kind of ties this whole rebuild together. And um I don't know. I, I, I love the idea of him starting alongside Jalen Green. He makes a lot of sense.
1: I would say I don't even think you would need to extend him. He has two years left after this, and you need to see if those knees hold up before you start talking. If he's going to, like, sign at a steep discount, sure. But I don't even think you would need to extend him to feel comfortable giving up. Like, to trade you... We have KJ Martin and then a Nets first round pick in there. That's probably as high as I would go. We talk, I think I mentioned to you like if they want Josh Christopher or Usman Garuba, like something sort of quaint, someone of quaint like that, sure. But like I'm not going too first for Lonzo Ball without having seen him play in basically a year at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's that's, that's fair. It's fair. I, I mean, especially, again, the reporting on Lonzo is so brutal. I'm not sure if everybody's paying attention to it. it it's...
1: You can't even walk upstairs, yeah. apparently. And so, like, that's why it's it's fascinating as to what would be, like, what is the like what is the move for, it's for both parties, too. It's just with Chicago, I think there's less risk involved in moving him because they need to blow it up anyway, whether he's going to come back or not. But for the team that's acquiring him, you really have to have a discussion about like, how much do we, you know, because there's a chance, look, if there's a chance that this deal, this season's it's written off, fine, fair. But you want to be competitive next year. If Lonzo Ball can't be a part of that, like, he's now, you have some flexibility, obviously, but, like, he's hamstringing. He's taking up $20-plus plus million on your books each of the next two years. And so if that's not a reliable rotation player, that's a significantly wasted roster spot.
0: And I feel bad talking about Lonzo this way just because Chicago would have laughed Houston off the phone if they offered this last year. Right.
1: They Look, his. I, they had injuries to Caruso, too, last year. So it, you could go, even if Lonzo stayed healthy, would they have still taken that nosedive? They were good for most of last season. And then it was Lonzo's sort of injuries that, like, those cropping up in the middle of the winter that kind of sent them eventually spiraling.
0: Yeah. He's the connective tissue for that team. He just is. I mean, and that's what a lot of Bulls fans are saying when they're defending the Bulls, right? They're like, just wait till Lonzo comes back. Like when Lonzo comes back, all this will come together. All this will make sense. Um, and meanwhile, we're over here trying to get Demar Derozan to the Lakers because we, we just don't know how the hell to figure this, this roster out, right? And I think that's kind of the that's kind of why he makes sense in Houston. He is that connective piece of tissue pretty much everywhere he goes. Uh, I, I would I just think he's a brilliant guy to go after. Um, I, I would be more. Uh, I would be more. Likely to include another uh, young asset uh, than you are, because uh, I just I just like Lonzo a lot. Uh, I just, I think he's uh, I think he's perfect for this Rockets team. But I understand I understand the, the risk.
1: I would include KPJ for him if we're but like <laughs> but if you if we're talking Eason, yeah, is he Green and Jabari are off the table? But like, would you include Eason or Shangoon? Eason would be a hard no for me just because he's so scalable. If the Bulls for some reason wanted wanted Jayshon Tate. I guess sure. Like you can talk. What's but, KPJ's he's value not right now?
0: In your opinion, market value. Uh,
1: I think well, one, it's tough because of the way his extension works, just in him being moved now. But I don't think I think teams would view him as at least a net neutral okay. asset just because you're that contract is so team controlled over the, the over those first uh, two years, uh, three years, because the final year is a team option. So I think a team that wants some like microwave scoring and then the secondary passing uh, and just a jolt in the half court. And maybe even someone who's just, you know, has the, um, is just long enough to maybe guard up if you need him to, or work in smaller lineups, let's say uh, I think teams would take a flyer on him. I don't think you're getting a first round pick for him alone, but I think that he has actual value around, around the league because of the type of contract he signed. And it's almost just like, not only is he under team control, 18 million is a great number to just throw into a trade if you need matching salary.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that does, I'm glad you phrased it like that because that's exactly how I was going to ask the question. Like, is he a positive or is he a negative value contract? And you kind of mentioned he's, uh, you think he's a net neutral. Um, so th- then I'm not sure if there's that much benefit, there's that much value in including him in the trade, right? I think on Houston's end, it might benefit them long term to just have him out of Houston and open up that, that space for Alonzo to play there. But I'm not sure if Chicago. Um, Views him as someone like okay you have to chip him in the trade and if that's the case if if they don't feel like it's someone they have to have um, on Houston's end honestly I'm kind of selfishly holding on to him just you know just to see if his market his market value goes up a little bit because I can still dump him at any point right even if he becomes mm-hmm. a net negative I can still you know his contract is such that you can get out of it um, pretty much whenever you want um, so I, I I would I would just keep it around but Eason, that's the one I'm like nah I'm not doing it I, I wouldn't do it. If you're including Tari Easton, maybe if, maybe those lower end assets with Tari's the kind of guy where I'm like, no, I just, I think he's, um, he's just probably in the, not for long, Especially, yeah. yeah. He's just in that tier of guys. that's probably just a tad too low to include, tad too good to include in the Alonzo trade. Everyone else. I think everyone else below that level of Tari, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to including Alonzo trade. Um, and I think Rockets fans should be too. I think you have to start packaging as we said. Okay. Uh, most, most boring trade or, or actually how about this most un, unlikely trade on this list?
1: Um, I think it's the, the Tobias Harris one. Okay. Uh, he's been really good for the Sixers this year. And as I already touched upon, I don't know. He hasn't torpedoed their defense and there are lineups that you can get to where he's at the four instead of the three pretty easily. Uh, and whether it's, you know, let's use PJ Tucker as the backup five, or you're just going to play your three guards with Melton, Maxie, Harden, Harrison, and Bede, which we have just not seen a ton of this year. And if you're, you know, you had a first round pick and I believe a swap in 28 and 29 going to Houston in there, I don't think if you're getting back Gordon and, you know, Jay Sean Tate and Kenya Martin Jr. that those are not the players you're trading distant first round picks or swaps for uh they're they're useful for sure and they deepen your rotation absolutely and we know how eric horn can fit alongside james horn but just to get out of the final year basically of tobias harris's deal next year when he hasn't been a like an unuseful player for them especially as they've had to navigate different injuries and he's worked well in the context of playing off the stars in general uh, that feels like a really steep opportunity cost for philly because if they move tobias harris and they're giving up distant first round picks it's because I think they're getting a higher-end player than, you know, the best player in that deal for them is Eric Gordon, or is it Jay Sean Tate? When he's healthy, it's definitely not KJ Martin. So if Eric Gordon's the best player you have coming back in that deal, I would I would define it as pretty unlikely.
0: Okay, uh, let me defend myself on this trade really quick. First on the basketball front, then we'll get to the asset front. So from the basketball front, I just don't like the fit of Tobias there when Maxi's at full health. Like, they just, I think he's probably too much firepower he's probably a, a an excessive amount of firepower for them and a negative on defense for them when they get really get little rolling into the playoffs, especially because of what they're giving up in the backcourt right they're giving up so much dribble penetration there uh and i think you're going to need someone just a little bit more solid there like i would the trade-off to me in defense for offense is worth it now is Eric Gordon a strong enough defender to, to make that trade off worth it? I think that's fair. That's a fair question. I think that's you know getting into the asset front. If you feel like this trade isn't isn't fa- a fair assets swap, like I I, I get it. Like I think I, maybe I would trade uh, Tobias for someone a little bit more high end. Uh, but then I would question like who is that guy? Who's that guy you're gonna get? Is, is Jay Crowder? Someone that you can realistically get? Because I mean I'm looking at Phoenix's salary salaries. I'm not sure if you can really aggregate that much salary to match. Uh, to Tobias contract, whereas Houston can, right? Houston can uh, add those salaries up to match. Uh, and in fairness, in terms of like this being a, a lot to give up, it is a decent amount to give up. But the, there, are these predict these picks are protected, right? The 2029 first round uh, swap is protected, and the 2020 uh, 2028 20, 20, uh, first round pick is top three protected. So like there are protections in there from you know Houston from Philly going into the worst possible case scenario. Uh, and you know they're getting back young players that you can kind of count as first round picks in value. Like uh, you know I'm, you, you mentioned that KJ Martin is like a, a high end second round pick. because okay, so you're tra- you're trading a first round pick that you don't yet know the value of for a second round pick, right? That's kind of you know a first round pick that's not a top three pick for a second round pick. I think that's you know it's it's, it's a tough ask. I think it's semi reasonable if you're in win now mode. You're kind of ha- you kind of have to make those trade offs. But I get it. I get mm-hmm. it if you think it's too if too much.
1: Yeah, I think it's just if they're going to give up, it might be unrealistic. But then I think they would just sit on Tobias Harris if they're just going to even forfeit the opportunity to retrade those picks in another deal until they that's, actually that's figure out whether point. they convey, They are going to want to hire. They're going to want to hire. The, hire a the opportunity cost,
0: point. right? Yeah, you're right. Yes. yes. Um, if they, they could use they could use that for other other trades, perhaps even another significant trade. Um, but, yeah, I I I, told, I I totally understand that. Okay, uh, most realistic.
1: Might be the Duncan Robinson one, and I don't know if it's realistic from the Rockets' perspective just because I think they would probably want more. You had Miami's first this year and Duncan Robinson going to Houston for Eric Gordon and Golden State's second-round pick in 2024. One, I don't even think you need to include the second-round pick if you're Houston right off the bat. Duncan Robinson has three years left on his deal after this one and it looks steep based off how poorly he has played basically the past two seasons now um or at least season and a half whatever you want to call it and you're giving them a player that they could actually use. There's some redundancy because now you have Kalo and Victor Oladipo and um and of course Jimmy Butler, but like they can go small if they really want to. Eric Gordon can play some three. Uh, so I think that's a home-run trade for Miami, especially because they have the option of getting rid of Gordon after this year. What I do like about it for Houston, though, is you are getting what's an unprotected pick from a team in Miami that's been far from bankable this year. You would still expect them to be good. That's probably not going to be a lottery pick, but it's probably not going to be number 25 either, and so if you want to get another bite at a mid-end draft, Apple, I don't hate it. I'd probably ask for like Miami's second-round pick draft, while well, I believe is basically drained. Can you get someone like gabe vincent out of there in the just to test him out at point guard just something can you even get nikola jovich i don't know if they would turn that down hands down maybe they would but the heat would absolutely do this deal and if you can get just something else to houston uh, but again maybe they want two first round picks uh back for duncan robinson because he does eat into this year's cap space you go from if you're able to wave eric gordon you can get up to like I don't know what is it like 40 plus million 50 plus million like now you're going to eat into that that's still max money but it does decrease your your flexibility a little bit. And so I'd be curious what else Houston would need. I would 100% do that deal though if I'm Miami. And I think you are thinking along the right lines of Look, yeah, they're going to be looking to win soon, but one if if Duncan Robinson can start shooting again, like he's a really valuable shooter and if you have enough defense on the floor with him that could work, but it's let's continue to build up this asset base and take bites at the draft apple or just load up our asset cover for when we go and try and make more of a consolidation trade.
0: Right. So, uh, I mean, this trade kind of gets at the heart of what I, the point I was trying to make in this article and the kind of question I asked you at the top. I don't think Eric Gordon is worth a first round pick by himself anymore. I think you kind of have to do extra work uh, to get to get that first round pick back from the team. Uh, and that's why I kind of had to include right. this 2024 pick uh, second round pick from Golden State. Uh, in addition to Eric Gordon, uh, and you had to kind of eat the Duncan Robinson contract. Now, I understand if you feel like eating the contract in addition to only getting a first round pick. If you, I understand if you feel like that's too much on Houston's end. I did include the option of getting Nicole Jovic back as a sweetener. I'm not sure if uh, if the Miami's at that point where they want to give up on him. Like, I really like Jovich. I mean, I, I thought he was kind of a Gallo type of player in the draft. Um, you know, I, he has not played well this season, but. I think that's still someone I'm not giving up on. Definitely, it's his first year in the league. I think it's totally fine if he hasn't played well yet. Um, and I, I think um, more broadly, if I'm Houston, like this is kind of like if I'm a Rockets fan, this is kind of the trade I would expect Houston to get done. Just because I think they're kind of in a position, they're playing from a position of weakness. Because I don't, I think there's a lot more sellers than perhaps they would have anticipated. And I think there's um, fewer draft first round picks out there to be had uh, just because all these teams that just trade up trade away all their first round picks. Miami's one of these few teams that still has their first round picks to trade,
1: which is something we never say about Miami. Yeah, probably. yeah, uh,
0: they, they, they've just managed to walk ass, ass backwards into this uh, again, uh, and uh, they have their first round pick this year. Um, so. That's kinda of why I really like Miami as a trade partner. There's a bunch of little, little things you can do back and forth with Miami. I would really pay attention to them though. Uh because they have this Robinson contract, because that trade's been rumored before, uh, and because um it's just clean, like salary for salary, you know, trade.
1: Yeah, I think if I was Miami, I would do that trade a heartbeat. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Because if you make a trade this summer, the odds of your two thousand twenty three actual prospect being integral to it is just I like you still have Jovich if you want to throw it in there and you can trade up to like 2030 once the league calendar resets and you were going to have complicated negotiations anyway because you have that 2025 protected pick so okay see, maybe you can get them to unprotect that and so I if I'm Miami and I care at all about maximizing this season uh, I would totally do it and let's see those girthy guard minutes from Kalo and Eric Gordon
0: okay let me make an amendment here then what if I take that 2024 first round pick back that's a 2024 second round pick back. Would you still do that trade in a heartbreak? Is, is dumping Duncan Robinson's contract and getting back Eric Gordon enough uh, to give up that first? Yeah. Still? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so I, I guess I didn't need to include it in there. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Phoenix. So there's a bunch of different stuff you can do here with Phoenix. but Just because Jay Crowder is basically impossible to trade with any other team in the NBA. Right. He, he, there's no other team in the NBA that's willing to trade with Phoenix because like Phoenix wants a good player back and they don't want to give up assets. So you can't do both. You can't accomplish both because they're in a position of they're trading from a position of weakness. And so is Houston. And that's why it makes sense for these two teams to eventually trade with each other. We're not, we don't have to get into two, these two teams specifically, but make making a deal with 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 each other makes sense because you can't make a deal with anybody else pretty much. Right, like these two teams have to kind of, they're gonna have to get to the ta- uh, to the table uh, because of circumstance, and we'll see if they can hammer out a deal. If not, with each other, include a third party. Uh, I think uh, you know one of the ideas I floated in uh, in this trade column is like perhaps if if, if Phoenix doesn't want to give up a first round pick, they get a, a trade a player back that is a, a of equivalence to a first round pick, like a second draft guy, and give 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 that player back to Houston. In uh, exchange for Eric Gordon, right? Or, you know, they asked for KJ Martin as an as an addition. You know, that's the kind of stuff I would look to do from Phoenix.
1: Yeah, and I think that I would give up your own for. Well, the Devin Booker injury might change the calculus here a little bit, but if you're getting Eric Gordon to kind of help weather the the shot making and a little bit of the shot creation storm, that probably helps. uh So, in a vacuum, yes, if I'm Phoenix, i give up my first round pick to get KJ Martin and Eric Gordon. Uh, and it's, I think they might look at it as well, like Crowder has value, but it's just he hasn't played this season. And especially he's not going to have a ton of value to the Rockets because that's someone you're probably looking to reroute since you're not going to sign him to an extension. Unless you think James Harden is coming next year, then he might be a player that you want on your team for that. So uh, I, I think the trade would make sense for both sides. I do wonder if Phoenix's thinking has changed at all in the sense of, would they be more likely to target someone who's going to do even more for their half court shot creation than Eric Gordon, like a Julius Randle type? At this point, but I think the the trade that you propose in a vacuum, if you're confident you're going to make the playoffs, Devin Booker comes back, you're going to be near the top of the West. Eric Gordon and KJ Martin. That's what also makes, by the way, the Rockets so tantalizing because they can kind of fill two of your needs. Where it's KJ Martin gives you some more rim pressure and then just front court diversity. Can't play the Crowder spot per se, but like you are missing those rotation minutes to where all right, we don't have to use Josh Okogie as much or rely as much maybe even on a on a Damian Lee type or Ish Wainwright. You're Just getting someone like KJ Martin, and this team could use more rim pressure in general and defensive malleability too. Their defense is tanked. I don't think KJ Martin's going to fix that, but he is someone you can move around. And then you have Eric Gordon, who doesn't give you as much rim pressure as he did last season, still does it. And he's among, like, I think only four players have made more shots outside 28 feet this season still. And so he still spaces the floor for you that way. And you can go – you know, you can't play campaign CP3 and Devin Booker together. You can play Eric Gordon, CP3, and Eric Gordon together. Uh, Eric Gordon, Devin Booker, and CP3, yeah, together. Yeah,
0: and um... – uh, same. This is kind of like the Miami trade and that very easy to construct the salaries here, right? Like Jay Crowder, Dario Sarge, both kind of dead money, right? Jay Crowder by, by the fact that he's not playing and Dario Sarge by the fact that he's not good, right? Very easy to trade for Eric Gordon uh, and then, you know, throw in assets around them and make the trade uh, done. Um, yeah. Okay. I have a surprise trade for you uh, if you have time. Yes. Okay. So the surprise trade is you're the Warriors, right? How married are you to James Wiseman? Let me ask you that first. How married are you to them? Not Not at all. Okay. If I'm Houston, and I feel I have no choice but to trade K.J. Martin, I'm probably not going to get a real first-round pickback, as as you alluded to in this column. But I'm definitely looking around the league to see if I can get one of these second draft guys. And I'm calling, and I'm asking about James Wiseman. And my question to you is, is that a mistake? Like, if you're the Warriors, is K.J. Martin, like, is it is it possible KJ Martin's better than James Wiseman as an asset at this point? Is he is I mean we know that he might be a better player at this point, but is he a better asset like projecting forward?
1: I think it probably depends on the team. He's more of an asset in the immediate, especially because he can be under team control through next year and James Wiseman makes even more money. So to the Warriors, yes, he's more of an immediate asset the upside play is it's clearly still james wiseman
0: mm-hmm. okay so if, if 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 you're the warriors what else does what else does houston have to include to get this done right because they have other guys on the fringes that they can throw into this kind of a deal and if you're houston do you want james wiseman like is it worth throwing in more than kj martin to go and get him i don't
1: like the idea of having wiseman and shangun and jabari smith jr on the same Fair. team Personally, the upside play is interesting. And so if it was KJ Martin, and I guess we're talking about money. So like what is the matching money going out? I don't actually know their trade exception situation, whether they could just accept because if you're gonna cut tax off the Warriors bill, that would help. But I don't think they're built to do that, unless I'm unless I'm mistaken. Um, but like you could I mean, aside from the salary I mean, that's actually important part of this is who is the salary that you're willing to attach to him as someone that you're not gonna miss. And K J Martin makes so little, like you need to probably bump it up to like are you gonna give up like you can't really do three for ones. Are you are gonna give up Jay, Sean Tate in that deal? You kind of like you kind of have to
0: include other salaries, right? And I, I I think in the original trade that I came up with this afternoon was like Bruno Fernando, Garrison Matthews. Like I, I think I included um, Bobon to like just got you, you can make the money work. Sorry?
1: There was tough trades to be tough to make midseason because then the Warriors have to create extra roster spots. Right.
0: They do. But is it worth it to just, you know, give up on this, right? Because I don't think Steve Kerr wants to go any further with this. When I watch the Warriors play, I, don't, I feel like he's out on this, on James Wiseman.
1: I don't think he does either, but like the Warriors are probably at, the asking price for the Warriors I think would be KJ Martin, Jay Sean Tate, and then you have to protect like one of those Brooklyn first. Like you're not giving it to them outright, but you protect the heck out of it lotto or something maybe even a little bit more tightly protected and at that point if i'm houston the opportunity cost is huge but like i have jabari smith i have alper and shangun what are we hoping for out of james who are we hoping to pair james wiseman with of them long term if it's neither one of them well then it's like i think it would be wiseman and jabari smith jr is the more that makes more sense as a fit just because jabari smith has a little bit more outside in range than shangun does still that's just I'd, I'd have to think about the upside play would be tantalizing but like you have to win next year as we've already talked about And to take on a project like wiseman yeah you're getting reps this season no harm no foul you increase your lottery odds congratulations uh, but that'd be a tough call if i was golden state i would do tate martin and a protected brooklyn pick for wiseman i don't know if i would do tate and martin straight up for wiseman and though.
0: moody and Kaminga are out of question right we're not even talking about that
1: I don't think Moody would be off the table, but then it's like, well, what are you giving back as Houston? I don't, don't know either. if I don't think, like,
0: right? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I just don't think they have enough. Like the wars have to be like really high on Usman Garuba or something for giving up Moody in the process.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what, that's kind of why I, I didn't really play with that idea, but the James Wiseman thing is interesting because it is purely an upside play, right? No, f- you're not thinking about fit. You're not thinking about, uh, you, you're really not thinking about what you're giving up in KJ Martin, because I think, It's possible K.J. Martin's better than him. We still don't know that yet. I mean, I think the upside play with James Wiseman is kind of what what you're doing here. But, um, yeah, you're really not thinking about him in in, in his value. You're really, really just saying, hey, can we roll the dice here and uh, really take a swing on a guy who was a top five overall pick just a couple years ago? Um, And, you know, it's kind of like what what the Rockets did with with Kevin Porter Jr., but riskier because they gave up nothing for Kevin Porter Jr., whereas you're you're giving up something. You know, if you're trading for him, right? This is a second draft guy that you have to draft basically because you're giving up an asset to get him back. Yeah, for sure. Okay, just this, this is an idea I wanted to play with. I didn't I didn't throw him in the article because I you know I didn't like him uh, as much as uh, yeah. And,
1: and as a reference too, I proposed James Wiseman and Moses Moody and a second to Chicago for Javante Green, Andre Drummond, and Alex Caruso, and Warriors fans. Thought that that was way too much to get Alex Caruso and Javante Green. By the way, who's been really good this year when healthy? So, so if they don't want to give Wiseman, up... who? What else? It was Wiseman and Moody basically oh, on. for Caruso, Javante Green, and then uh, if you're Drummond. not including Kaminga, Bulls... that,
0: that's a, that's not too much. Like that's a perfectly reasonable trade. I didn't think it was
1: too much either. I don't think the Bulls would have to be in love with Wiseman if they were just going to flip. Mm-hmm. Caruso, and also just like maybe you can get out of that trade without getting Drummond, who has a player option, and you don't necessarily want him to have that control. But that would probably be like the like the change is that you could get Derek Jones Jr., who is expiring, rather than uh, than Drummond. I will
0: tell you what, you, you got my vote. I'm signing off on this trade because you know what that does? It opens up Lonzo Ball for Houston. You know, for the taking, right there. It's right there. Yeah,
1: Chicago's yeah. It down. They're burning. It They're down. burning
0: it down. Houston swo- swoops in, gets Lonzo Ball. It. it no well, Caruso would make
1: sense if you're bringing in Harden for Houston too. As Caruso well. I think makes
0: more sense in that situation than Lonzo, right?
1: Well, he actually plays. Yeah, yeah I was. I was
0: I, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. In that, in that respect, sure. Uh, just in terms of like just the usage rate, right? Because you already have Jalen Green, you have James Harden, now you're getting Lonzo. That gets.
1: And Caruso doesn't shoot anymore. Apparently, like he's so low volume, it's it's hysterical. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of options to play here with the Bulls, but uh I, I suspect the Bulls are not gonna be as exciting as we want them to be. Uh I feel like they're gonna be a little bit boring, kinda play more so to what the fans are asking for. Wait till Lonzo gets back, see what that fixes. Uh and then wait till the, the offseason until you really make a decision. Um worth noting, Rockets uh former Rockets executive, Arturis uh oh I can can never pronounce his name right. Last say that. Carnesovis. Arturis Karnasovas, former Rockets exec, uh, Bulls GM. You know, just just worth noting. Just worth noting. There's a relationship there. Rafael Rafael knows him. Um, Eli knows him. It's it's just it's just something to throw out there. The, the, the you know guys that know each other tend to make deals with each other. We know this. So uh, just something I'd watch out for. But yeah, I mean, still a pipe dream for this season. We'll see what happens this summer. But. I, I'm glad we got we got we got a chance to talk consolidation trades, get a real substantive conversation going about this. Cause I think uh we need to start talking about Houston trading more than just Eric Gordon at this deadline. That's kind of uh something I would watch out for. Uh, you know, not K J Martin's the obvious name, but hey, they could include somebody else, you know, it's in it surprise Rockets fans. So Rockets fans, don't be surprised. Keep your mind open to this, right?
1: Yeah, I agree with what you said. I think I mentioned it in the article that I like where your head's at and that it's going beyond the obvious of just Eric Gordon, K.J. Martin. And consolidation trades just aren't, like, there's the means of, okay, well, if we move K.J. Martin, it just inherently opens up minutes in the front court. Ditto for moving Eric Gordon, even if you're not consolidating them into one player. Um, but, like, branch outside the box. Like, if you're, you know, they seem, stevens Silas seems a little bit married to Dacian Nix at points. Like, why is Josh, like, what is Josh Christopher doing still on this roster? I'll
0: tell you that you
1: know <laughs> right there's uh, look that's the i mean that's the nuclear one i mentioned usman garuba as someone who showed promise but there's just not enough minutes to go around would you are you opposed to move, like you shouldn't be opposed to moving out for in at this point because of the <coughs> way that you're using him what what uh, shangun yeah i would absolutely look at what is the value for shangun if we're not going to use him like the way that he should be used
0: i would not i would not uh I would tr- I would fire Steven Sollett's for a trade show but Shangoon at this point.
1: That's that's fair, but I'm saying if you're gonna let this carry on, like it's sort of like the Knicks with Obi Toppin. Shangoon has been noticeably better, but you are there's and this in Houston it's arguably worse because I don't know that there are players that should be blocked. Like at least you have Julius Randle and Obi Toppin's a one position player. There's people blocking his runway, but Shangun needs to be a higher usage player, and you've been unable to figure out a way to do that. If you're looking at a trade to bring in a veteran and looking towards next season and winning more immediately, I just don't think Shay I would have Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and Tyree Eason as my guys off the table if I'm Houston, and I don't want to give up my own first round pick. Obviously, yeah,
0: I, I could cut this out off the podcast if you want me to. Just, just letting you, if if you want me to, I can I can I can cut this part out <laughs> of the podcast.
1: Uh, I already have Nuggets <laughs> fans mad at me, so why not? Let's just go for the I'm just kidding. Know, I'm just I'm just conference. kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: No. Uh, it is interesting. And and honestly, I would think a lot would think a lot more about Shangoon if Harden were to come here. I think I would I would think a lot more about moving Shangoon if Harden were to come here just because I don't think
1: it's a move it's a call you make over the offseason, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But I think Houston needs to be probably more open to it if they the they either need to be more open to using Shangoon properly in higher volume. Or like, okay, well, what are we doing? Because you're going to get to a point. Look, two years in, he's extension eligible after next year. That's what people are talking about with Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin in New York. Just as more prominent examples, you get to a point where these guys just aren't as valuable because because they're coming up on these big paydays. And no, I, I want to make it clear, I would not move Shangun. But like, if you're going to get a really good first trim, or if, if even if it's just like if it's Shangun and Eric Gordon for Alonzo Ball, like, do you just consider it at this point, like, to make that that math work? Like, that might I'm, be something that you I'm, could look. I at.
0: want you to react to this. So December 26th, Shingoon has 25 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 10 to 12 from the field, 4 or 4 from the free throw line, 1 1 from three point range. December 27th, he's 0 for 3 from the field and plays 21 minutes. That's how the Rockets choose to reward him. After a 25 and 11 night, a 25, 11 and 6 night, which he shoots 10 10 to 12 from the field. That's how the Rockets chose. To
1: how many minutes did Bruno Fernando play that game, though? I think it's the real question.
0: Too much, too much. <laughs> yeah. Um. Thank you so much for coming on, Dan. Uh. Thank you so much for uh, coming on, talking Harden, talking trades, talking a little bit shangoon there at the end, talking a little bit, a little bit shangoon. Can never, can never get too much shangoon on this podcast. Uh. Where can the Where can the listeners read your work and follow you on Twitter?
1: Follow me on Twitter at Dan Favalli. That's D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E. And follow the Hardwood Knox podcast, which covers the entire NBA. It's at Hardwood Knox, spelled exactly as it sounds. And you can find all my work
0: from YouTube and Bleacher Report on those those channels. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay, if you enjoyed this video, like, comment, and subscribe and hit that little bell icon down below to so you can get notified when we upload new videos. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to listen to it ad-free, look at the description down below to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever the hell you listen to podcasts. Also in the description, you can find a link to our newsletter where you can get two articles a month on the Houston Rockets completely free. Free is good. Why don't you like free?